Dead Bod Rap Pod. The International Zone Coasters are back with a dope episode. Um, we're breaking format a little bit. We have a special guest on the line who is going to give us basically a, a primer on grime, which we don't know a lot about, but we're looking forward to learning from uh, DJ, producer, writer. He goes by the name of Sun Ra, S-O-N-R-A-W, um, not Sun Ra of the orchestra, but Sun Ra of Canada. How's it going? I'm doing good, guys. Uh, thanks for having me on. Yeah, dude, uh, long time coming. Um, I just want to throw it out there that um, part of the reason we wanted to do this is last year when we were trying to compile our best of lists for the year, they were just hideously American. It was like we basically <laughs> didn't listen to anything. We were trying so hard to keep up with all the good new hip-hop that we just ignored the rest of the world. So this is an effort to try to branch out a little bit and understand what is going on in other scenes. And I'm hoping if this goes well, we'll do this with other contributors and other kind of subgenres or different styles of music. So um, thanks a lot for doing this, and we appreciate it. No problem, no problem. Yeah, to me, it's, I mean, I come from, I'm guessing, kind of the same background as you guys, where I was into, like, a lot of underground hip-hop, a lot of 90s stuff and going up into the 2000s. And the way I got into grime was just kind of, like, exploring different black music, whether it's like old stuff like funk and soul or just newer stuff like dance hall and grime and techno. And that's kind of what I'm into. It's like once you start seeing those connections, it's, you know, it's all connected to hip hop and hip hop's connected to all a bunch of other stuff. Mm, sure. That kind of, that changed the world. So now we're dealing with the fallout of that change just in like the various sure. parts of the world. Um, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Like, um, like, you know, tell us about your beat tape and tell us about some of your writing stuff. And we'll just kind of introduce, introduce you to our listeners real quick. And then we'll jump into the grime stuff. Yeah, I've, uh, I've been writing about music for probably like 14 years now. Uh, I've done it for like a bunch of publications in the UK and the U S I did stuff for vice and fact magazine, but mostly I write for passion of the Weiss out of LA. Jeff Weiss's magazine shout out jeff each and every yes and um yeah i recently dropped a beat tape that is very much not grime it is <laughs> it's called a take, take a kayak and it's like some sample chops it's me going back to kind of my roots uh and i dropped that this summer it's available on bandcamp sun dot bandcamp.com yeah it's great and we, uh, yeah, we used guess... you were lucky enough to let us or you were generous enough to let us debut some of the tracks from that on an earlier episode and I, I listen to it all the time i'm really impressed by it oh thank you very much yeah shout out to you guys for uh for debuting that and i guess uh relevant to this episode i got into djing grime maybe around 2009 2010ish uh which was not my favorite era in hip-hop like 2010 it started getting better but the late 2000s were like not great for me so i started looking into other music and that was one of the genres i sort of started djing locally and inviting uh, producers and djs to come to montreal and uh, play their music nice um do you is there a grime scene in montreal or is this like a strictly a uk phenomenon Oh, I mean, I'm I'm the one guy. You're the uh, guy. A huge one <laughs> You're the scene. Yeah. No, well, the I mean, there's going to be a lot of... There, there's no way to really explain grime without going into all the surrounding genres, so there may be, like, some backstory to that. But basically, in Montreal, we had a huge uh, dubstep scene, mm -hmm. and grime is 
you know, is to dubstep. They're more or less uh, out of the same roots. So I used to play at all of those shows, and some people like it, but I was really the guy in town for a while. There's a few other people, but, you know, a handful of people that were really into it. It's huge in Toronto because they have a big Caribbean population. Okay. So even before Drake kind of jumped on that bandwagon, there were people in town that were doing it there. Okay, cool. Um, So what is grime? What is grime? Well, I think the most important thing for anyone listening, if there's one takeaway that you can get from this podcast, is grime is not UK hip-hop. Mm. It is not hip-hop. Mm. Saying uh, it's a subgenre of hip-hop is kind of like saying hip-hop is a subgenre of dance hall. It's just going to get people really upset, and it's <laughs> not accurate. Okay. No matter if they're linked, that's not how it happened. And okay. Basically... Basically, the long story short is hip-hop came over to the UK in the 80s, and it existed. And that's where you get a guy like Tim Westwood right. or Ruth Manuva from. It was its own scene. Right. But it was really an imported genre, and it didn't totally resonate with the black population there, which was mostly of Caribbean descent. And they had their own music from Jamaica, like dancehall, raga, whatever you want to call it. Mm-hmm. And it didn't take over the country like you might expect even in a place like France, they had a bigger hip hop scene and it kind of connected more with people there. Interesting. Hip hop in England was just one of many black genres. You had dancehall, you had house, you had techno mm. and they all eventually merged over there into this thing called jungle, which was later drum and bass, which is rap break beats, dancehall vocals over something that's closer to dance music. Right. And in a very, real way that stuff is england's answer to biggie nas mob beat that kind of era interesting and a huge amount of people in grime mcs producers djs like names like wiley Flodan, rico dan Dizzy rascal they all grew up on jungle and even some of them started as jungle mcs or djs so that's mm. the roots okay um and it, so uh sorry no go ahead please and in the same way that in the late 90s, real hip-hop eventually lost part of its black audience or black fan base to jiggier sounds. Jungle eventually got, quote-unquote, too white. That's when they changed the name to drum and bass. And a lot of more working-class partiers in London moved on to UK Garage, which was a smoother form of house, which is also comes from the U.S., but I'm not going to get too off track on that. <laughs> okay, okay. And is two-step in and there somewhere? that genre... Sorry? Is two step in there somewhere? Is that like a that's like yeah, equivalent that to garage kind of? Basically, a kind of UK garage, and that's basically what, what happened. A lot of the same traits in jungle, more broken two step beats, dancehall vocals, and MCing started creeping into garage, which was really really popular. It was this big scene. People would dress up nice and drink champagne. It was mm. people living out that same kind of jiggy lifestyle um i remember uh miss dynamite being a thing um is that garage do you know who i'm talking about yeah she would have been a garage mc exactly she would have uh she would have fit into that but she was i mean the thing with garage mcs is they would get on stage and they might have a song like she would but most of the time people would just kind of have these chants and hyping up the crowd and bigging up the dj it wasn't this lyrical narrative form like you'd get in hip-hop but some of the younger kids 
that grew up on jungle that was a bit rougher and that were into hip hop wanted to bring that. And the garage DJs and producers were like, no, you can't come in. You can't do this to our scene. We don't want you. There's also a lot of kind of a spike in, let's say, negativity, fights, crime, drugs that was associated with it justly or unjustly. And that's basically where grind starts. Younger kids, like late teens, early 20s, taking like a souped up form of broken house music Mm. and making it their form of emceeing music the same way that Jamaica has dance hall and the U.S. has hip hop. Sure. But they don't call it like chatting or toasting. They call it emceeing, right? Yeah. I mean, there's that's not to say that hip hop wasn't a big influence. They took a lot from hip hop as well. Uh, Fashion, they definitely took a lot from hip hop. Yeah, watching the the videos, it's almost like like watching a dip set like kind of thing, like with the big hats and like the all the like matching sports gear and stuff like that. Exactly. Dipset in particular were really, really huge. Uh, Cam actually had a beef with someone out there. I'm not totally sure on what it was, but it's Cam definitely had beef out there. But I think it's important to know the hip hop that these kids were looking at was the stuff that probably kids in America were looking at at the mm-hmm. same time. It wasn't real hip hop. It was Dipset, Rockefeller, Rough Riders. Um, Dizzy Rascal was a huge UGK 3-6 Mafia fan Right, I remember on his It seemed like his second record to me I always think of it as the pink one Based on that, besides the yellow one of Boy in the Corner I don't remember what it's called But uh, he has a song with UGK on there That would have been his third one But third yeah, he definitely uh, Dizzy would have um, Been particularly American Looking, which is probably Why he was more of an album artists than the vast majority of uh grime artists i guess totally and, and why they tried to push him over here right that was my first go of like oh they have cats like that out there i think yeah. he's he's also uh mentioned one of his influences being like an e40 you know style of rap that's mm. a fr- how i first got into it i'm like oh this is like mm. uk e40 interesting yeah. <laughs> um i think disney uh in particular he was his first album boy in the corner was it won a Mercury Prize, which is a big deal in England for independent or left field music. And he was always, he was seen more of a, I mean, I guess if you don't understand the slang, he's an E40, but probably a better analog for him would be a Nas. He was 19 when that mm. album came mm. out. And it was really about his life in Tower Blocks, which would be pretty much projects. And th- I guess the difference is he made all of his beats at the beginning. Okay. When he stopped doing that, he kind of fell off. But that was a huge thing that, he made all of these crazy beats and wrote everything, and it was really, he did that whole album. All right, I told you there would be some dumb questions, and here comes the first two. Um, where do Lady Sovereign and or The Streets fit into any of this in the timeline you just gave us? Because those were also things that I feel like Vice Magazine and other kind of publications were trying to get us to tell us what was happening in the UK in like the early 2000s. So, uh, I mean, those are two really different people. I mean, The Streets was, like, I guess, like, the same way that you might, because uh, he was a credible guy. He was, like, making good garage beats and doing his thing on them, but he so was he's also like a really garage MC, you would say? Or did I mean, he have his in own the same lane? way that you might have, like, you know, Company Flow was hip-hop, but they were <laughs> damn near the edge of making it almost something else. Right. 
He was a he was a garage MC, but he was not a typical garage MC okay. at all. He was white. He was from Birmingham, and he was album centric. He sold his albums to like maybe slightly more indie minded people, alternative music sure. minded people. But sure. at the same time, they they were very credible albums, and they were really good. Yeah. Uh, so it's not me dissing him, but he definitely was from maybe a slightly different demographic. Gotcha. But he also worked with Grime Guys early on, like he was supporting them. Okay. It was all people that were changing Garage into different stuff, because even Dubstep came from Garage, and that turned out to be a completely different style of music. It was just a lot of people doing their own thing with it. Okay. And the English have like this kind of annoying tendency to make everything a subgenre, which <laughs> in the U.S. is like hip-hop. It makes it so hard to keep up with. <laughs> It's really true because in the U.S., I mean, we've now we've gotten to the point where trap is more or less its own distinct thing, but that took like thirty years, right, for for it to split. But in the U.K., there's so many subgenres, so it can be a little confusing. Lady Sovereign, I'm not actually sure how credible she was. I never really liked her personally, yeah. so I never really explored yeah. her music. I know that she was a white girl MC and a lot of people thought that was marketable sure uh I, I, I'm sure early on she had some credible stuff but it's not she's like the you know, creation the creation I, I mean that's wow. how I always thought that's that's really how I always saw her but I might be wrong maybe there's some wow. person but none of that is really credible right we're still in garage at that point so when does grime become grime like is there a year or a moment or should we just kind of get into the tracks and we can start there um i think it's it's a transition kind of thing but i think really the big difference was in the beats um you know Start with the tracks, and I think it'll be okay. easy to kind of... I'm going to play a little bit of this uh, So Solid Crew 21 Seconds, and uh, you can tell us why it's important. I'm, I'll, I'll give it like 30 seconds. 21. I don't know. <laughs> Free 21. All right, here we go. Free 21. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so that's So Solid Crew, 21 seconds. Um, a lot going on there. It's a pretty crazy video, and um, there's, I guess I read in the YouTube comments, everybody does their part for 21 seconds. Oh, is that how? <laughs> yeah, they, yeah. I'm good for it to 20 seconds. <laughs> so I guess one of the things that's really worth mentioning is there was no industry backing this stuff. It was people mm. going into studios and basically recording originally instrumentals that they would give to a DJ who would play on pirate radio, which to me is still one of the craziest things about UK music back then. It's people would set up radio stations in the project mm. and just kind of beam out the music to local people. And that's all that most of these kids expected was local fame. No one was really looking to blow up. So is that still a thing? Seconds, like, is there, is there internet pirate radio or like, is that still a part of it? Well, no, that back in the day, there was no internet. It was they, they had aerials out of their project apartments and stuff. It was radio, radio. Wow. Um, now it's on the internet, but it's really, really different. It's 
You know, the same way that you can't go back to like 88 or 94 in hip hop, I would say right. that is a pretty right. different thing. Gotcha. Um, so this track would be like, you call it grime. The word grime didn't exist when this came out. They would have called okay. it garage, but it was definitely the beginning of that sound. Um, now, there's also a big area kind of thing. So it's all crews from South London, I believe. Grime is typically known as an East London sound. But again, all of these things were kind of in the air, and there were so many different names that people had for this stuff before they got settled on grime. At some point, they wanted to call it 8-bar because people were just rapping for 8-bars. Mm-hmm. Uh, they wanted to call it sublow because of sublow frequencies. And origin- at some point, it ended up being called grime, but um, I'm not even sure if anyone wanted to take exact credit for that. Interesting. Um, so like, was this a hit? Like, is this like kind of like the the rapper's delight? Is there a is there an analog here, or is it just kind of a song where you can you notice as an expert that it things shifted? No, this was a big this was a big hit. Uh, it might have been the first time that that kind of emceeing was seen on TV, or even it might have gotten some mainstream radio play. They shot videos for it. It was a it was a genuine hit, and it inspired a lot of kids to want to be MCs, whether they were good or not, but it, it sparked a whole lot of like, hey, I could do this too. They use the same slang as I do. They're not trying to sound like Americans. Mm. You know, I could do this. This is us. Um, do you listen to enough of it that you feel like you understand what people are saying? Like when they're talking about various projects and like just like the kind of like really dense coded slang language that's so specific to that place, do you feel like you you're getting it? Oh, yeah, I, it's not that hard when you listen to enough of it. It's not like listening to dance hall where I'm missing <laughs> a lot of it. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's not harder than stuff from, you know, some of the Bay Area stuff. I'm there as someone on the East Coast of North America. I have no idea what they're saying. Right. Some of the mob done language, uh, you know, the mumble rap stuff. I don't even know if they know what they're saying. So. <laughs> and, I enjoy, and, and that's not a diss. I enjoy a lot of stuff out right now, but. It's um, it depends on who it is, but it's um, it's not that hard. I feel. Yeah, I have to watch like even like British period pieces with the subtitles, with the subtitles on, so I'm yeah. just like oh, totally. not getting. I'm I'm not getting a ton of it. I would say, but again, I'm new to this, so I'm gonna try. Um, all right, let's talk about Pulse X. I'm gonna play a little snippet here. What is Pulse X and why is it important? Pulse X is important because as an instrumental, that's the one where a lot of people say, okay, this is no longer garage in any recognizable way. Mm -hmm. This is grime. And it's a specific form of it that's called 8-bar grime. I mean, if you notice, there was a beat switch there. Mm -hmm. And the reason uh, why that ended up kind of becoming important is MCs would... Uh, most of the time they wouldn't be recording albums, I said, as they'd barely be recording singles. They'd be going up to these pirate radio stations and spitting live over them. Okay. And they'd go for eight bars or 16 bars and, you know, give them a beat switch in the middle of it, and they'd go back to back over a live DJ. And I think 
that as much as anything is a major differentiator of grime from hip hop, especially at that point, because kind of rapping over a DJ wasn't really a thing anymore in hip hop by the early 2000s. Right. And it's like, it's got this improvisational quality to it. That's pretty fun where the DJs, he's mixing the beat and then you might have two DJs going back to back and then you have a whole crew of kids that are spitting over it. So Paul sex was this, Basically, this shift thing, we're not trying to make girls dance anymore. We're making these beats for pirate radio and for these parties where we're going to do the same thing live in front of a crowd. It's not like house music anymore. It's not even a variation of house music anymore. Right. So are there like legendary bootlegs of like these pirate radio shows where you're like, oh, it was the first time Skepta went up to this radio station or whatever? Like, is there a collecting scene with like the files of these things or are they literally just gone with the wind? No, 110%. Uh, and I'm going to send you guys a whole bunch to okay, uh, cool. share with your listeners because right that's really the best way to get into it. If you want to get into grime in, I mean, that we can talk about what it is now a little bit later in the show, but if you want to get into the roots of it, and in my opinion, when it was at its best, you have to dig online and find those classic pirate radio sets and they have some pretty funky sound quality. It's a lot more like <laughs> listening to like a DJ screw tape right. than to an album. But it's so worthwhile because you're not getting any of the industry BS because a lot of grime artists, when they did make albums, they tried to sell records because they were poor and wanted to sure. blow up. So you've yeah. got a corny hip-hop track or a corny electro dance track, and it's kind of painful. So you don't get a ton of great grime albums. I have some listed if you want, but it's... It's the hardest thing to get someone into grime is you can't point to too many albums and say, "Oh, here's 50 albums to listen to." Right. right. Cool. Let's uh, we'll go with some pay as you go cartel here. What uh, kind of equipment are people making these beats on? Okay, so the Korg Triton, uh, which Swizz and Timbaland used, and it was the keyboard at the time, was really, really um, kind of fetishized. In fact, like a few years ago, like one of the original producers from the scene, he actually named his album after it, JT the Goon. He put out one called King Triton. <laughs> but for a lot, yeah. And I, and it's weird because in hip hop, there's such a like segment of people that are into samples and chops that hate the Triton sound. Right, right. So it's really puzzling to some people that that would be the thing. But you have to remember the hip hop that they were listening to was the Neptunes, it was yep. Timbaland, it was yep. Swizz. Um, but that was actually maybe the slightly older and more experienced producers that would even have access to one because those things cost a couple of thousand for sure uh, dollars or pounds or whatever it was back then. So a lot of the time it would just be uh, Fruity Loops, the really early software program that people would crack on their computers and learn how to make beats out of. Okay. 
Cool. So what's uh what what um, is special about this pay as you go? Yeah. Um, well, I think that one again, you're seeing that transition from Garage to Grime. You have the mournful strings, and you have mm-hmm. the first guy on, which I believe is God's gift. He's chatting in kind of a raga kind of style, which is something that is uh, a through line in the black music in the UK, just because you have a lot of people Jamaican background. Sure. And it's really that smooth that transition where it's, you don't have a definitive break you have it kind of going from what was garage into grime and a lot of people involved in pay as you go they're a legendary crew their dj flimsy is pretty much known as one of the architects of grime he was the guy that uh kind of pushed the scene in that direction wiley is probably uh he's known as the godfather of grime he's probably the most important person in grime period and yeah it was just a foundational crew Nice. Um, so then, then we get to Roll Deep, which is another major crew, right? Like, I remember them being on the cover of Wire magazine or something. Like, they definitely, the name got out over here, even though I never really paid attention to this. Yeah, basically what happened was Wiley, Wiley's a very odd character. If you look up some of the craziness he's done, he's, there's nothing, he's like ODB. He's that <laughs> level. Imagine ODB. It's like if ODB, ODB was RZA. Yeah, exactly. That would be actually a really great comparison. Uh, so he left Pays You Go for whatever reason, and he wanted to start his own crew, which would be like fully grime, and leave the whole garage elements behind, and that was Roll Deep. And Roll Deep has so many legendary MCs. It's it's ridiculous. It's, everyone was in there. It's like a Wu-Tang level crew. Nice. All right, let me play a little snippet here of Eskimo. Is this a it's a Roll Deep song, not a Wiley song? Uh Wiley produced it. Okay. Uh Eskimo would refer to the instrumental and I think the one I sent you was uh Roll Deep vocal version. Gotcha. Okay, but thank you. So it's kind of like versions. Are, yeah, he would just sell the um the instrumental on vinyl and everyone would spit over it. So there's a couple of versions. So this is the official, uh, gotcha. One of the official vocals. All right, I'm going to run a little section of this. From a ward, them one gunshot, them gay. Black talent fly through fierce and I pop them head from off of them neck again. From a ward, them one gunshot, them gay. Black talent fly through fierce and I pop them head from off of them neck. Telling this how all them can run from. You know what I'm going to get the gun from. Bust it in the sky, you never know what I'm going to get the gun from. 26th, why the fuck I know me can't do what pass me the gun from. Kill a man, throw the I'm really hearing the Timbaland now. I was not hearing that when I listened to it in my office earlier, but now that you pointed it out, it's like kind of like that like Eastern kind of sample with the really clean hits mm-hmm. and like the glitchy almost kind of like production is that's fascinating. Yeah, it was a mix of that and dancehall. I mean, that track Eskimo, Wiley has his own. It's not really a subgenre. It's just what you would call a sound called Esky beat, which was he would use those the sounds in that track and maybe a couple of other tracks. And he just kept releasing a whole bunch of different beats made out of them. And to this day, people fetishize those tracks. You have kids that weren't even around back then and that maybe are completely middle class now making beats out of those sounds. Wow. Still. It's such an, uh, such an iconic sound for that scene. Like deep, without getting into nerdy producer talk, like D-Tune <laughs> Square Waves were huge. And just like different sample packs on 
I guess, like cheap romplers back in the day. Interesting. So now we arrive to Dizzy Rascal, and he's like kind of a giant of the genre, right? Yeah, he was a member of Roll Deep as well. Wiley brought him in. Wiley brought a lot of different MCs into the game, but he got uh, stabbed at a party in Ayanapa, which was a big party spot out in the islands that grime artists would perform to. It was a big UK holiday spot, and he never forgave Wiley for that, for being perhaps involved. And to this day, they're beefing. It's one of those things. It's like if Jay-Z and Nas never let it go. (laughs) Interesting. All right, I'm going to run a little bit of a section of I Love You. And I have to say, I really liked the song. I had never heard this before. That squeak is crazy. His voice is insane. Um, so he, he had he a took really over unique voice. The like the UK music scene, right? He was the biggest deal. Uh, he was the one guy that. Well, first of all, his album is amazing. Boy in the Corner. Yeah. Like I compared it to Omatic earlier. That's not hyperbole. It was really amazing and. He had a record deal, which was a huge thing at the time. XL? And a lot of other people got signed for record deals, but it didn't necessarily pan out for everyone. And again, these were kids that had no idea how to do independent music beyond maybe pressing up some vinyl and selling it to the shop. But I think um, Dizzy's early work, he's just a fantastic writer and he found a way to take those sounds that were in his head and translate them through a computer and make really good albums, definitely for the first, I'll say maybe two and a half. What's his role now? Like, is he like Elder Statesman at like 26 or something? (laughs) Is he still young or am I losing track of the years? I think he's like our our age. Is he? Uh, He could be in his early 30s now. I, I get the impression that he's not quite beloved. Uh, he left Grime in a very public way to make some really commercial music. Okay. And he, he seems like a person who's really in his own head and keeps to himself. And Grime is really community-based, like Wiley brought in a lot of other people. So he doesn't seem to get that level of love, but it's also Grime is really has a huge peanut gallery. <laughs> I'm sure a lot of when it comes to the MCs, I'm sure he gets all the respect, but it's not like a Skepta or a JME or a Wiley where they've really taken ownership of the scene. Dizzy seems to be all in it for Dizzy. Hmm. Cool. So the next track is called uh, Pow. This seems like it would cause fights. Like, this seems like it's, like, some Rough Riders, like, just craziness. 
Yeah, this actually got banned from clubs across the UK and radio <laughs> because it was just wow. actually incite fights. It was uh, it was like early little John stuff, but it's important to realize that there was no elder statesman in Grime. The garage people categorically rejected them. There was no mm. Chuck D figure making, mm. you know, surrounding the the kids of '88 and hip hop terms. Right. They didn't so want to stop the this violence. This was music by kids. <laughs> Four kids. So if you're if we're all listening to it as adults, you kind of have to put yourself in that mindset. Sure. How would this feel to me if I was 15 and angry and had to deal with racist cops and not having opportunities? Sure. And it was it was an outlet for a lot of that energy. So is this like is this your shit? Like, do you love that song? Or are you like, would you play that when you DJ? Like, I'm just trying to figure out. Like, are you giving us like the greatest hits or like your greatest hits? Like, where where does this fall in the continuum? So I didn't actually know that we were going to use these tracks specifically for the the podcast. Gotcha. But they're I tried to give you a little bit of a timeline. Like, all of these tracks are in the first couple of years between like 2000 and. 2005, six until we until we're gonna get a little later. But all of the ones we've said so far, and yeah, this would be an anthem. This would be the kind of track where if you have a full room full of grime heads and you drop this, it's gonna get a huge reaction. And actually, big thing in grime as a DJ is getting a reload when people lose their shit. Right, you rewind the record back to the beginning the same way as you would in dancehall, and you play it again. So right. this would get automatic reloads in a big grime uh, way. It's, it's all, at this point, to me, it would be almost like cheating because it's like playing uh, Shook Ones in a hip-hop club. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so but have yeah, you gone over like, to the UK and experienced, like, the, the scene there? Or, like, are you kind of, like, always, oh, like, from afar? No, I've gone. I've made a lot of friends out there, which is why I'm being careful what I'm saying because if I get it wrong, I'm going to get roasted when I share it. Sure, sure. Our our readership is huge, or our listenership is huge in the council estates of (laughs) London, so. (laughs) Yeah, well, I mean, at this point, the genre is, I mean, the genre has spread a lot more over there. It's it's coming on 15, almost 20 years old at this point, so a lot of my friends out there are closer to my age and not necessarily my demographic, but it goes all over. But, um, yeah, I've gone to uh, a bunch. I mean, one of my favorite parties out there was and is still called Box, and they were kind of more on the instrumental side of things. But that's also just, by the time any of us knew about it, the scene over there changed. Like, the police were really cracking down on, you know, proper working class, mostly black grime parties, grime raves, uh just out of racism they wouldn't do that to a rock show right but it really killed the scene for a while over there because they would literally have a form i think it was called form 696 i might get the number wrong but they say like who is coming to your party and if you wrote mostly black you wouldn't get a permit Ooh. wow wow damn that's pretty straightforward racism um all yeah. right on a lighter note this next uh track rough squad died in your arms uh contains a very notable sample of uh kind of a synth pop cheesy hit cutting crew crew, dude um i was very surprised to hear this when we were doing our research when you sent this over so i'm gonna play a little bit here and we'll we'll talk about it in a second you know you know follow us tonight 
Listen up, yeah, ladies and gents. Let me grab your attention for a sec. I never thought I live a love story, pain and love, some trust, no glory. She had me, I loved her gladly, but I never knew about lies and pain. When I found out, it hurt my heart badly, because I thought she would bear my last name. I remember I cried that night after I found out the things she said, and I felt like I could have died that night, and I felt so lonely that my heart bled. The truth is, my love was too big, and I was dumb enough to get hit by Cupid, but I still think of times when I lay. Definitely a different look. Um, a little bit more, I don't know, vulnerable or something. Um, tell us, tell us about this one. Yeah, um, there were definitely more tracks like that. Like I said, trying to sum up the genre in ten sure. tracks. Is really we gave tough. you an like impossible task, and we we appreciate you like rolling with us here. We're just trying to understand. Oh no. But uh, Rough Squad, they were literally kids. They were teenagers. Okay. Uh, skipped school and made music. And Wiley, I think Wiley helped bring uh, some of them into the game. Uh, but, yeah, and they loved Dipset. Dipset was kind of big, and it was on MTV out there, and Dipset used soul samples. Um, so that's probably where that came out of. Um, I mean, Rough Squad was particularly known for having really bold production choices. Like, that one was more emotional. They have one that samples Paul McCartney, and they also have hmm. quite wow. a few rougher ones. There's there's one track that I didn't suggest to you guys. It's called uh, Functions on the Low, and it's an instrument. It was one guy made that instrumental. He never really made any other beats. And it was such a beloved instrumental that years later, Stormzy actually shot a freestyle over it. And that became a single, and it went to, I think, number one on the charts, but something like 10 years later. So that's kind of an aspect in Grime where... It's like the Bodak Yellow. kind of get used a little bit more, and people have like this love of the production of it. Very interesting. Um, this next one is Sludem, uh, Playground, and this is gnarly, dude. Like, I, I really <laughs> liked this one. This one seems like, when you, you know, the term Grime, when you're not using it as a musical genre, it connotes, like kind of dirtiness and urbanness and like the like you know tires spinning and like the you know just shit that's grimy and out that this track that you sent over really kind of encapsulated that i thought it's like this is pretty damn street um yeah so before we jump into this one like we're jumping quite a few years now now i think we're in the like early 2010 okay um Okay. Yeah, just for just for reference yes, sake. Yes, appreciate it. All right, let's run this for a sec. I did know. Messing my crew, but why would you wanna? I'll shave the skin off your back like a donut. Piss me off further, go get the burner, turn terminator, your Sarah Connor. Means I'll come to your doorstep, push a thing to your forehead, know you're gonna. Did I wanna do it now? Did I really wanna? Spread the place, but you know that I'm gonna. Make a man try to violate. I will rise on the ting and annihilate. Come with the ting in the next type of fire rate. I will chase man down on the high road, irate. In the next type of mind state, I don't care if it's mad fate. I will hop out the car like a mad ape, star, and start dying on mad ape. Yo, you also very thankful for the image of the uh, carnival woman who happens to be pregnant yeah. from the video. That's very memorable. <laughs> i got to take a shower after that. Yeah, so <laughs> Sludem, like, they're, they might be my favorite grime crew. And a lot of times grime artists kind of have this chip on their shoulder, like, oh, I can do more than just spit at this tempo and do gun bars and rah, rah, rah. What I love about Sludem is they do not give a shit about that. They're like M.O.P., on steroids and they are just <laughs> nothing but gun bars 
when they've beefed with people, there's just legendary radio sets of them doing threats live on air. Wow. And there, I mean, there's another track that we didn't include in there, which is um, uh, a Tempati track, which has a whole bunch of views, and it's almost cartoonish level, you know, violence. But, you know, they're aware. There's a lot of humor into it, and, you know, it's like a lot of the best rap music. It's funny, but it's not... You know, they never break character. Right, you have to right. know the level of humor and the level of seriousness to fully get it. But Sludem, they were definitely one of the hardest yeah. crews in the game. That shit was hard. I, I, you know, I really appreciate that one. In, yeah, there were, a lot of them were involved in some pretty bad behavior as well. Sure. Um, so I'm under the impression there aren't guns in the UK like there are here. So can you like, give us a little bit of the socioeconomic kind of like guns versus knives kind of like uh <laughs> dichotomy because here we're all guns <laughs> yeah. like I mean, 400 I'll, to I'll be completely i'll be completely honest with you that's probably a little bit above my pay grade i know I there's gotcha. not nearly as many guns and i know that knife crime is a very serious issue right now uh with young people for sure but um i mean i'm sure that when it comes to rapping you know there's uh People people embellish, people exaggerate a little sure. bit, but at the same time, I'm sure if you want, if you're if you are involved in crime and you want a gun, you know where there's a will, there's a way, sort of thing. But uh, sure. I'm probably not the the perfect person to talk about that. Yeah, we're 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 still stuck on like the Slick Rick children's story video. Yeah. is our vision <laughs> of, of UK crime. So um, so we'll bring on a, a UK sociologist next time. Our apologies. Um, cool. So this is Newham Generals, and this song is called Hard. Yeah, so this one uh, would be kind of um, a good example of when Grime kind of crossed over with Dubstep a little bit, Mm -hmm. because at one point Dubstep got really hot and Grime was not getting as many looks, so a lot of MCs kind of went on that side of things. And I mean, there was always kind of a a brotherly animosity between the two genres, but at the same time, like deep down, they're the same tempo and they have the same roots, and nowadays everyone plays nice. Okay. All right, let me uh, let me throw this on for a sec. I'm that lyrical father, name an MC that spits harder. Do you hear my partner? Cause you hear my partner. Ain't got time for muscle around, just know what we're in time. Seems like a dime. Get in the back, man. Get in the round, man. Get in the room, man. Addicted to the sound like rhyme. Addicted to the sound like crack. Get a torso that is fully pie. Dirty stank, I will fully back. If a boy try to think, I will pull it back. And fast as a mask, I will live again in my command. Eat my dog. I'm a deep pine, I'm open cross. Trust me, I'm deep with them and the mic trust me. Oh. So these dudes are spitting, like they they're rapping pretty yeah. hard. Yeah, well, the guy that we heard in the beginning of the clip, he's uh, that's D Double E, who's really a uh, legendary. Uh, I mean, without being derogatory about it, he's not a guy that really has a huge uh, discography as far as albums go. But he's an incredible radio MC and an incredible single MC. He's like the guy that will hype the party up with his ad libs and the weird sounds he makes in his mouth and all of that. And his partner, who's on the other half of the trap, Footsie, kind of the same thing, uh, comes from a reggae background. He did a lot of their beats. Um, They're like very well-respected kind of, you know, if you know Grime, you know them. They're not like the guys doing the pop hits. But at sure. the same time, within the community, they're really well known. 
Nice. And yeah, it seems like the video is like maybe like iPhone shot or like very kind of like lo-fi. It's like nobody's here like getting famous, like or not famous, but rich. It's just kind of like it's street grime. They're like it appears to be from one YouTube video view <laughs> to be like of the streets. Yeah, I mean, a lot of what was happening was it was a completely self-funded scene. You weren't getting, especially at that point, you weren't getting major label money for this kind of stuff. So people would make street DVDs the same way that we had Smack DVDs. Oh, okay. And then when you couldn't sell vinyl singles anymore, people made mixtapes and they would just record a bunch of stuff on their computers and sell it that way. So on one hand, you're not getting great quality control the same way that you know Max B wasn't really a quality control guy. Right. But there's a lot of interesting stuff out there from that era as well. Sure. Um, so I know we're doing like lightning round here and we're trying to like encapsulate many years of history into a short period, but Skepta was a name that really rang out for me. He's got like shoe collabs with Nike. He's like, he's huge. He's an international superstar. So is he kind of currently the best guy or was he for a time? Skepta is an interesting and occasionally in my opinion, frustrating case. What happened was he was the guy who had the vision to say that he could go international and he could go bigger than anyone else, which is great. And what happened at the beginning, he tried to do it by going pop, which didn't work at all. It was him over electro beats and no one really liked it. So he came back with this song called That's Not Me that he shot on his phone and he basically freestyled over a beat made out of classic grime songs. And that brought the entire scene kind of back to its roots. Now, at the same time, it's really worth it to mention that there was a ton of people that were doing underground stuff uh, that kept the flame alive while he was out doing pop stuff. But he was the one who broke through. And then he teamed up with ASAP Rocky, which got him a little attention in the States. And he put out his album, which did very well for itself. And he does it all through his own independent label. But at the same time, he does a lot of hip hop stuff now, which isn't my mug of beer or cup of tea. I didn't want to go sure. cup of tea. That's really <laughs> cool. But uh, uh, there's no doubt that that's not me was a huge moment. It was such a great yeah. single that got everyone on board and got everyone remembering, Hey, what we have has value don't need to water it down for anyone gotcha i I know i keep making visual references on an audio audio podcast but i like any video where the guy raps into the side of the headphones um that can act as act yeah, as I a think mic that was in his backyard basically yeah it's awesome all right let's run a little bit of that's not me this is skepta featuring jme what you mean what you mean yeah one line flows, yeah, I got some of those. You get me, Jamie? Easy. Nah, nah, that's not me. Act like a waste man, that's not me. Sex any girl, nah, that's not me. Lips any girl, nah, that's not me. Yeah, I used to wear Gucci, I put it all in the bin, cause that's not me. True, I used to look like you, but dressing like a mess, nah, that's not me. It's the return of the Mac. So just to kind of bring you into our world, Damone keeps head nodding and even even shoulder shimmying. Dave has not moved <laughs> once. <laughs> I think we have a half a grime fan here out of the three of us. I'm still us. thinking of Dizzy Rascal. <laughs> I'm still thinking of that Nas comparison. So. I mean, it's head nod music. That's, that's 
that's yeah, a lot yeah. of you know a lot of scowling, a lot of head nodding, a lot of hoodies. Yeah, you know for sure. Uh, yeah, I, I really liked this song as well. I was like, I, I could see myself uh, listening to this in kind of a, like a cerebral way. Like, I don't think it's gonna match my commute to my office in San Jose, California, and like set the tone for my life in that way. But I could see myself if I'm gonna dive into this new genre i have a couple of touch points here where i could like be like that's really good music i can tell because it's affecting me right even if i'm not getting every reference but the kind of uh so those are older beats those are kind of he's cycling through some older beats that like any grime head would recognize well the sounds like kind of those little sure i don't even know those bloops yeah those are really famous sounds i think like he actually arranged them it's it's not literally an old beat. Okay. You arrange them. So it's not a collage. You know, in its, it's own a, way, it's a kind of a production that references the classic sound. Yeah, it's kind of. I mean, there's like in hip hop, like you know, the funky drummer break. It's like making a beat with the funky drummer break right. and all the hip hop fans. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, like that's hip hop. Like, yeah. Or when Nas did it with, um, I think it was Apache. Yeah, right. for made you look. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Um, dude. Thank you. Um, we yeah. like went on a yeah, tour totally. uh, for like I don't know, fifteen years of history, and you were you were you know super well spoken and really helped break it down for us. Um, just kind of moving out of the the track by track, like um, where's the scene today? Like, are you still excited by this music? And like, what's what's the new shit? Um, the scene's in an interesting space right now. I think. It, I think grime opened the doors for a lot of music in the UK, a lot of black music. Uh, but I don't think MCs, like kids now, are purists about it. Um, as the genre is more accepted and there's more commercial potential, you see a lot of people that are merging it with hip-hop, with trap, with dancehall, with Afrobeats. And on some level, a lot of the rough edges and distinct aspects might get relegated to the past. That's the same with a lot of music in the same way that hip hop isn't, you know, a DJ behind the turntables and only using samples. It's become much bigger, right. but there's still really interesting music being made in the UK now, probably more than ever. Uh, on one side of things, you have, again, kids, teenagers that are doing their own kind of music. Uh, believe it or not, Drill music from Chicago, the Chief mm -hmm. Keef kind right. of stuff, that crossed over huge to London and to the UK, and they kind of merged it with grime, and they do a thing they call UK Drill now. Mm -hmm. And that's really maybe more the voice of the disaffected and the voice of the street. On the other hand, you have a lot of kind of fusion-y Afro beats. I'm going to say that, like, Drake tried to steal Grime, and then Grime stole Drake back. <laughs> and, Good for them. Like, there's this uh, guy called AJ Tracy. He just dropped an al his self-titled self album this week, and I think there's maybe two Grime tracks on the back end. The rest of it is a lot of smooth, kind of tropical sounds, uh, you know, closer to what might be in the U.S. But to me, it's the fact that it's evolving and that there's more opportunities for people to make music out there can only be a good thing. I'm not going to be an old man who's like grumbling that it's not the way it used to be. Sure. There's a lot of people that are making a living now into their thirties with it. And it's crossed over to suburbia in a real way. So people are making money and throwing parties. And I think it's great, 
But I guess for me, a, a lot of the best stuff will be early on, but there'll probably be another new movement that's great, whether I like it or not as a 30-something-year-old guy is kind of irrelevant, I think. Right, yeah, we feel the same way. We're, we try to keep up, but we know like our heart is in the older stuff. All right, one last thing. Uh, the mayor of San Francisco is a woman named uh, London Breed, and when she first got elected, our joke in our little chat was that her name sounds like a grime crew. Is that funny or not? <laughs> <laughs> London what? Sorry, London breed. Word. Breed B R E E D. Yeah, that should totally be. Yeah. <laughs> Feel free to use there, that with the other grime heads. Bloodline, so I could totally see that being a grime crew. Okay, perfect, perfect. Our joke right. is funny. There yes, it is. Now we know. That was I set all of this up and did like three weeks of emailing with you so I could tell my joke. <laughs> Um, Very dude, well done. Thank you. You know, you know what? It would probably they probably just substitute London for like literally a neighborhood. Gotcha. Because gotcha. it's so local. Like I never got into it, but there were so many beats that were just based on geography. And at this point, you know, we think of hip hop as an international thing, but you really got to get back to that level where Queens was beefing with the Bronx to kind of right. get some of these beats. Mm-hmm. Like so. Such and such slept with such and such's sister. Level <laughs> I do not or have the energy you. to keep up with that. But, uh, dude, do you want to plug anything before we let you go? Got any writing coming up or um, anything? Yeah, take a take a kayak out now on Bandcamp. It's not grime at all. So if this episode <laughs> confused the hell out of you, you can go and listen to me chop up gospel and soul and funk samples. Um, I'm right. I write for Passion of the White. Um, so, you know, I'm always doing stuff. It's probably like a lot of people that are in the podcast, like hip hop is what I do, but it doesn't pay for my living. So <laughs> I'm always doing stuff on my own schedule and not stressing out over it. But yeah. I'm around. You can find me on Twitter. I do a lot of mean tweets. <laughs> Respect. I, I argue with you guys a bunch, and I appreciate you guys like putting up with me, like needling you. Oh, oh yeah, dude, it's been awesome. Here for it. Here for it. Hey, hey thanks for coming on, man. We'll definitely have to bring you back. Definitely eye opening. Thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. All right, peace. Cheers.